Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, and I'm here with my brother and co-host Evan. Hello. And we are also joined today by James Keaton, better known as Redbeard Ops. Hello. Hey, hey. Evan, what do you got for us today? When you make something that you love, it's a really remarkable experience. And then you start looking out and might make something for somebody else. And when you make something that somebody else loves, holy hell, the whole world cracks open, man. Nice. I like that. Man, that sounds it sounds like uh it sounds like Adam Savage or it sounds like I'm trying to think. The way you said it, it reminds me of um Essential Craftsman for some reason. I think it was like the way you read it. <laughs> reminds me of Essential Craftsman. Well, but, yeah, uh, you got it right. Adam Savage. It's oh, nice. just like him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've been working on my uh my tested imp- inter- uh, imp- impersonation <laughs> interpretation. Um yeah, no, I was watching the, um, actually, I was looking for quotes, and I was watching his video last night. I think it was, what was the exact video? Um, A see. new one? Oh, yeah, no, Ask Adam. It was like one of the ask things from his patrons. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, what is a maker? That's the video. And it's really good. It's this five-minute thing at the end. That's kind of how it ra- he wraps it up. And he's also... Mm-hmm talking about how he he kind of despises gatekeeping on all these these crafts and maker things right he's basically saying even if you have the inspiration to make anything or it's music or it's writing or or something that wasn't there before um is because of you you're a maker and you don't need you don't need gatekeeping and then he's also trying to inspire people once you make something for yourself that you love it's amazing, but then when you make something else for someone that they love, yeah, the, the whole world cracks open, as he says. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's so I true. Know, uh, I didn't ahead. know his name was his name's Adam on Essential Craftsman. Uh, no, 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 it's Adam Savage is uh, is from Tested. The, oh, okay, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm sorry. the other the other person I suggested, <laughs> the first yeah, one. Yeah, I, yeah. No, I love yeah. that uh, Essential Craftsman's channel is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's something about the way you said that. 
it, it like the way it came across was those two popped into my head right away. And maybe it's something about their like positivity that like Adam right. comes across super positive all the time. He's trying to like spread his knowledge. And that's the same exact way that essential craftsman comes across as just like purely, you know, entertain, not, not entertaining, but just there for, you know, giving knowledge out freely and enjoying p- other people getting that knowledge. So yeah, um, what I like about uh, his channel is it's kind of morphing, not only from, you know, making things, but also kind of into like a philosophical channel, you know, he's yeah throwing down life lessons, I think uh, a lot more often, which, which I like. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny. We, uh, we put out a, <clears throat> the brick forge video. Um, I think it was a couple of days after he did. So we got all these comments like people were like, Oh, you're just copying off of the central craftsman. Da, 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 da. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not true. But I absolutely love the essential craftsman. <laughs> we're not copying awesome, but I also don't think that's an insult. Like I love that channel. It's great. Right. Yeah, so. it's, it's funny when people say that type of stuff, like when you're just doing it cause of this guy It's like for one, it takes a couple weeks. Yeah, so even right. if you put one out and we happen to put something up the next day, it's been shot and it took weeks to just get out. And, okay. uh, and yes, everything's been done on YouTube. It's like yeah. it's like it's like trying to write a new story. They've all been written, but we're gonna try to do our own version of it. Right. Yeah, that could be super frustrating, man. I, yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes you just want to do it uh, your own way and put a different spin on it too. You know, it's it's yeah. not theft uh, at this point. You know, I think a lot of the stuff that's on YouTube is darn near public domain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's one of the things I think you do really well is you shout people out all the time. I, mean, you, I know you shouted us out on your leather um, video, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" Oh, dude, well, that helped That's a lot, great. man. That y'all's yeah. leather making sheath video was uh, extremely helpful on, yeah, that, <laughs> on making your first pouch sheaths. Yeah, man. Those are and um, if you, yeah, exactly. That I uh, I say all the time that I'm not a huge fan of leather work. I, I don't mind doing it. I like doing it. And I think it looks really good with knives, but it's uh, it's a process thing. And Devin, you mentioned it. It's like it's the difference between. Uh, cooking and baking so it's like knife making and you know crafting things like that's like cooking where you can kind of play around with it you can do some different stuff obviously there's some things you got to get right right but leather work is like baking it's like you have to follow these steps in order uh and if you don't (laughs) then you're like you're screwed you know you got to get all your rivets in and your snaps in on the inside and you had a good die on the inside then you die on the outside then you stitch and then it's like yeah you can really uh, kill yourself if you throw them out of order so <laughs> with the with the leather work i feel like i'm slowly starting to enjoy it way more if that makes any yeah. sense like at first it was kind of a chore now it's becoming more of like a, oh man this is uh this is an art in itself you know and yeah what uh, there's some really good guys on there that i've communicated with on uh, blade forms that have been extremely helpful and uh, kind of up and up in some leather game they got some pros out there for sure yeah absolutely what what when did that change come james man i think it started when uh you after you make like i feel like after i made five or six of them you know i was sorry okay i'm starting to kind of get it i'm starting to see what a good quality leather sheath is mm-hmm. and i'm starting to understand what sets apart uh, kind of a really good leather maker versus an a mediocre leather maker so mm. and then just researching you know they got a sheaths and such section on blade forms that uh, uh they have a bunch of gentlemen on there that really know their craft and uh, they'll point out some of the finer details of what they're doing and it kind of makes you realize uh you know what to look for 
on a high-end piece of leather work. So, man, it's it's hard stuff, but I'm starting to like it because of that. I think if it if it was easy, it wouldn't be as fun to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and it, it does have <clears throat> that level of of skill that it takes to get it done well. And when you get to that point and you start seeing things that you're doing that are turning out really well and really clean, which is the other thing for leather work, you know, it's like mm-hmm. got to have that clean, you know, even spacing on your stitching and your gaps and stuff and, and your cuts. And when all that stuff starts to happen, it really is, uh, it is rewarding. Like, I like, like I said, I love the look, the, the, uh, with a leather sheath with a knife or, you know, a mask for an ax or something like that. And so I, I keep making leather and buying leather because of that. But, uh, but again, yeah, it's that <laughs> there's not yeah. a lot of, uh, like a, like yeah. a holster is play. A holster is fun to play with, but you really want to play with a gun, right? <laughs> like you want a nice, <laughs> a nice fitting holster, and it's cool to look at, but you really want to get the gun out and play with it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah one uh, yeah. one thing that's like really it. leveled up the leather work I was doing was just buying good quality leather. Mm-hmm. Was, that was something that kind of blew my mind. You know, the, I got some Wicked and Craig. Um, like a quarter of a side and it was it made all the difference in the world just working with quality leather yeah yeah having that like consistent thickness and mm-hmm. um yeah preparation and <clears throat> it's funny i've i've used i i still just use tandy leather and i have i have a, a tandy nearby so i can go into the brick and mortar store and like look at the pieces and pick out stuff so i like i like doing that um but yeah. it's uh it's definitely not ideal um you know like I said, most of my knives, I'm, I'm most of my knives and sheaths are all utilitarian and it's, it's very, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to do something that is going to look a certain way as long as it's clean. And I like some of the defects sometimes in the leather, if you get like patterns and things. So, so I don't mind using some of the cheaper stuff, but it definitely, it definitely does make a difference. You know, I can go in and I can pick through and pick ones that I know are, are good quality. Well, let me, uh, let me introduce our guest. So if you haven't already, uh, haven't already uh, heard or know of James Keaton. James Keaton is the uh, self-proclaimed weekend warrior, knife maker, YouTuber, Redbeard Ops, uh, and um, <laughs> new father. He's got a couple-week-old baby in the house as well, which is super awesome, man. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've I've been uh, you know following and watching your videos for a couple years uh, as as a knife maker and as a YouTuber myself. Obviously, we're always we're all inspired and pulling uh, different you know inspiration from all over the place. And so I search all the time for knife making videos and find s- tons of um, awesome stuff from your from your channel as well as all the like fabricating stuff you do. That's something that's fascinates me, and I I love that you're always inventing and coming up with new tools and things to use in the shop. So, uh, yeah. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe just a little bit about like how you got into knife making. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's actually funny the way I got into knife making, uh, I was watching a movie called, if I remember right, it was, uh, the hunted with, yeah. Tom, I think it was Tommy Lee Jones in it or yep. something like that. That's yeah. a great, great movie. Benicio del Toro. Yeah. And they made a knife in the woods or something. And, uh, and they fought each other with it in some ridiculous <laughs> sequence. <laughs> but, in 10 uh, minutes. <laughs> yeah, so them making a knife, and I'm like, you know, I, I look at my dad, and I'm like, I want to try that. And I think I was, uh, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something. So we made a very nice. crude knife the next day out of mild steel. And uh, I played with it for a couple of, ye- couple of years uh, towards the end of high school. And I was, you know, making forges, and I actually made a, you know, 25-ton hydraulic press, and, 
I, I kind of dived into nice. making the tools more than making the knives at the time. Huh. Yeah, cool. And then, uh, then I kind of dropped it for, I don't know, maybe almost a decade and, uh, and then picked it back up uh, maybe two or three years ago. Right on. And uh, just been cruising ever since. So I figured, you know, as I get better, I uh, kind of wanted to share the journey, so to speak, on YouTube. And uh, it, it seems like that's been, uh, that's kind of part of the hobby, you know, documenting almost uh, yeah. what I learned and condensing it into a video format. So you went from like, I'm not going to say the simple part of making a rough knife to then making the tools. I would feel like that's a much tougher jump to start to um, figure out how to, how to engineer and, and, and kind of invent your own, own tools. Yeah, I mean, at first, you know, when I was in high school, um, making the tools, that was kind of fun because I was getting to use a welder and uh, that kind of fabrication was neat. I didn't really know what I needed. You know, I ended up making three forges in high school, and two of them were completely <laughs> terrible, you know. <laughs> nice. um, it would be better to make the knives first and learn how to make the tools for making knives after. <laughs> um, yeah. But now that I've, I kind of, you know, turn out much better quality work than I did when I was 16, yeah. uh, as, as we all should, hopefully, uh, with right. age, uh, now I kind of can think about the tools that I'd need and, and try to fabricate something, so... And then there's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of makers online that you pull from, you know, uh, like yeah. the Stonewash Tumbler. I got that from a guy's channel. His name was uh, 927 Forge. Oh. And I just took his Tumbler and kind of made some improve or what I thought were improvements or modifications and uh, stuff like that. You know, it's, there's a lot of sharing going on online, too. And it's kind of nice. And the nice aspect of the YouTube game is you kind of get to see how everyone's doing it and take the best or what you think is the best from uh, from their process. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge part about, <clears throat> about the current knife making world is that everything is out there for people. It's all open source you know, information now, which is really nice. And, and so many people like, you know, Jason Knight and Steve Schwarz are people who have mm. kind of done these processes in the beginning and started these things are now putting all that information out there for, for the knife, you know, community to use. It's super, it's super cool. And, uh, and I think, like you said, you're kind of going back and forth between that process, whether you do a knife first and then figure out which tools you need or you want to make a knife, so then you have to make a tool. Well, then once you have that tool and you start making the knives, then you're like, well, okay, well, now I need to step up to the next better version of this tool. Exactly. So I'll make that and then <laughs> keep going back and forth. And I think uh, I just watched your uh, shop tour video this morning and I was kind of going through some of the videos that, uh, that I hadn't seen from yours. And I, and I came across that one. That was really cool. Cause I hadn't actually seen, I mean, obviously you work in your shop and you film there. So mm -hmm. you kind of get that feeling of what it looks like, but it was nice to kind of see you go through. And I, I like how, uh, <laughs> you would like, there'd be like something random and you'd be like, Oh, and there's this here too. And it has like nothing to do with knife making, but it's just like <laughs> part of the shop. You're like, and here's a sledgehammer. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, nice. <laughs> you know, Cause it's like, that's what that's, you know, the shop is, it's like the second home and everything is oh, there yeah. for a reason. You know, it's like, I use this random thing. Like this is where I keep the, uh, whatever my, you know, right. my paintball yeah. helmet is up in this corner. <laughs> like, yeah. I got that. 10 pounds of stuff in a five pound bag too. You yeah. Know? <laughs> really be nice <laughs> right. to have some more shop space. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> the cool thing with the knife making deal is that, you know, you start off, everyone starts off with most everyone starts off with, uh, you know, files drill yep. maybe and, Maybe 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 even a one by thirty from Harbor Freight or something, mm -hmm. but um, the the gen the path of gaining more tools throughout the process 
in making your tools to refine one little small process in a knife making build. Um, it's pretty cool because by the end of it, you know, you have a process for making, say, a full tang knife and uh, you can do it way more efficiently and, and get better results yeah. with uh, with homemade tools and stuff. So right really yeah cool. yeah stepping up to that next uh <clears throat> the next level i uh i know you saw my uh instagram post on the knife that i just snapped two nights ago oh um, man yeah that's painful <laughs> <laughs> yeah as my buddy and i are making uh knives for friends of ours who have uh, two kids and it's actually it's a version of the little bone handle knife that i made for my daughter last christmas they asked us to um, make their two kids a little like whittling camping knives so <clears throat> we each made one and we did the profiling separately. We did the heat treat together. And then I did, I tempered them at my place. And then I was kind of just, they both had little bits of warps in them, which I'll get to your, uh, <laughs> your straightening <laughs> jig soon because that thing is amazing. <laughs> oh, but, uh, <clears throat> but yes, yeah, so I was doing my little, you know, three bolts in the, in the vice trying to straighten. And I actually, I, I straightened mine pretty good. It was pretty straight, you know, like probably acceptable, but <clears throat> I could still see a little bit in it. And then I, I straightened my buddies and got his better than mine, almost perfect. So then I was like, all right, well, let me go back and try to do mine a little <laughs> bit more. And of course, you know, it's like one more bend, one more clamp, and oh, doing. But, uh, but I talk brutal. about that because, yeah, because the, um, you know, I have my shop now set up in a certain way that I've been making and, and expanding on tools that I was like, all right, now I need to make another one. So. I was like, well, I'll make two because might as well make two. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I like, it took me maybe an hour to, you know, get back to, or maybe not even that long, maybe a half an hour to cut out, you know, shape profile, drill all the holes and get ready to heat treat again. So, yeah. you know, what, which would have taken me a day or whatever back oh, when yeah. I started to do all that. Now it's With like a file or something. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Grinders and, you know, which, which I love all those tools and they, you know, they really push you to, like you said, to expand and get better and try to, mm-hmm. you know, make a process go faster. Yeah, the whole warp deal, man. It, it, that's always a battle. I I, I, found, I had my best luck back when I was getting warps. I had my best luck uh, straightening it on the second tempering cycle. You know, mm. I, temp, I temper it once uh, just to make sure that I'm not going to crack the blade. Yep. And then I would put a, I'd basically do like a three point type jig mm-hmm. in the tempering oven during it. You know, I'd go just a little bit further than bent uh, yep. the other way, and it, it seemed to work pretty good, but. The big change for me on warps was uh, first using that straight using that straightening jig, yeah. uh, right after the quench, that helped a lot, and then uh, <laughs> actually that that pretty much solved it to be honest. I, I, I'll quench now for four to five seconds, and then while the blade's still around five hundred degrees or higher, I'll get it in that straightener jig, straightening jig, clamp it down, and then just wait till it's cool. And so far, I haven't had a blade come out of that thing that wasn't straight. That's so awesome. And then, and then I make sure to clamp it. So, sorry, sorry, cut you off. I make no, sure no, that's to fine. clamp it between two pieces of angle iron after that. Yeah. And and, and put it in the tempering temper. oven so it doesn't move. And then by the time it gets out of the tempering oven, I move on over to that uh, that surface grinding attachment. And so the blade's straight already. The blade's not warped. And then I can clean up the flats, and then I'm in a good spot to start grinding the bevels. Yeah, right on. I feel like that's. It seemed like such a violent process when I watched it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, something's gonna happen," but it just like it's like <laughs> you got it in the headlock. Like, no, you stay. Oh yeah, zoink. <laughs> you know, I, I got can... that idea from uh, uh, Alex at Outdoors Fifty Five. Yeah, he, right uh, he had a uh, 
he had a vise and he'd put two pieces of angle iron in his bench vise and then mm -hmm. hold the blade and clamp it between those. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw, and then I saw Simple Little Life had, mm -hmm. <laughs> had, a, had a woodworking vise that had two pieces of aluminum for when he was heat treating stainless. Oh, so right. I just yeah. kind of put those two together. And then instead of just using the, uh, the wood vise, I just put an impact on it. So, um, yeah, yeah man, makes all the difference. That's yeah. Awesome. Like in your, in your video, you're like, and I sat here and did this a bunch more times, more than I showed <laughs> <laughs> zoom out, zoom in. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Every time you post one of them on Instagram, I'm like, yes, here we go again. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome. People really like that thing. It's, uh, it's a, I think. Now I'm new to Instagram, but to me that seems like a perfect Instagram video. It's about like nine, or I don't, not, not even nine seconds, but it's an easily repeatable, interesting thing to watch. Yep. I think I sat and watched it ten times just because <laughs> it was it was an interesting, quick process. You don't have to invest anything in it. You're like, oh, let me see it again. Like oh, you yeah. almost want a little bit more, but then okay, I'll just watch it over and over. Yeah, it's funny too because it's not like I haven't put it up there before, you know. And yeah, uh, every time I put that video up there, it's like. It's like one of the best videos of the week or something. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, yes, here we go again. You, you just need your like, awesome. hey, weekly, uh, just do them every Sunday or something, <laughs> Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, uh, I also watched the head knife video. So I was like seeing that going kind of oh, long and man. funky, like. I tried. Uh, it worked. I, yeah. It's it's a little bigger than the vice was, but. Uh, right. Man, that's not something I want to do again. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I want to dust. I want to go back to the the hunted. Oh yeah. Uh, do you know Absolutely. the story behind that, James? Behind the the kind of the true story of that? No, no, not at all. Dustin, Ooh. what do you got? What all do you right, got for so, us? <clears throat> <laughs> what do you got for us? So it's funny that you say that because not that movie, but that knife, the tracker knife um, by Tom Brown, is what me what got me into knife making as well, or one oh, of the main really? things that got that's me awesome. into it. So <clears throat> when I was sorry. I, trying to not clear my throat into the microphone, but uh, I just don't think about it. Uh, so when I was in college, I had a, uh, a class and my teacher, uh, from the work that I was doing is that it was a site specific art installation class. And I was kind of doing, had this concept of hanging canvas up in trees to, um, to like with patterns on them to do kind of different areas of tribal people's lands. So this idea, but she knew that I was kind of interested in, kind of outdoor stuff and um, Native American culture and also kind of, you know, I guess, that stuff growing up in the country and making bows and arrows and things. And um, so she su she suggested the book called The Tracker by Tom Brown. <clears throat> and Tom Brown is uh, is the true, the real person who is the Tommy Lee Jones character in that movie. Okay. So the movie The Hunted is actually based off a true story or, you know, basically based off a true story by Tom Brown, where he had he had taught one, you know, he, he taught special forces because he he grew up and uh, learned tracking from his best friend's grandfather, who was an Apache, um, taught him and his best friend tracking and stalking and how to live in the woods and how to move quietly. And um, and so he's been doing that his whole life. He's trained tons of people. He's got a school called the Tom Brown uh Brown tracker school, I think. Um, and he's, he's in his, might be in his early seventies, not, not super old, but, uh, but yeah, if you ever, if you ever get a chance to watch the extras on that movie, he's in the, in the extras showing awesome. them how, showing Benicio del Toro, how to move and showing Tom Brown, how to move <laughs> and like leading that knife fight scene that they do. Oh, but that, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> that it knife, was cool, that, man. Yeah, it was. And it's, and you know, it's, 
it seems raw and real. Mm. <laughs> like two people fighting with knives, it's not going to be a battle like Jackie Chan. No, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like you get a couple cuts, and that's pretty much all you're going to get. So no one's somebody. no one's getting out of that fight uh, unblooded. Right, exactly. Um, that that book, uh, I think I read it after you did. Dust yeah. so good, and those stories of him. Uh, tracking in real life, tracking down the ex-military guy who kind of went AWOL. Yeah, and that, yeah. uh, that the way he describes what really happened, it's such a such a good read. There's an early recommendation for you, The Tracker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, so yeah, that book, The Tracker, is is about like his life growing up as a kid in mm. the. He, he grew up in the Pine Barrens in uh, in New Jersey, uh, but then he has a couple books after that. And uh, one, of the okay. books is, one of the other books is is all about different stories that his, he's had from his right. experiences as a tracker and stuff. So. There, and there was a lot. Um, I there's some things I took away from that the stories, but I remember him talking about when you hike. We always early on when you're a kid, if you're hiking, you always had this mindset of like keeping up a pace and like blasting through the land. Yeah. And he he just kind of explains how silly that is. So then he just maybe that comes with the age too, but you just slow down <laughs> and start to take it in. Mm-hmm. And then also his other thing that I think of a lot. Was it called spread spread vision? Uh, scatter vision, I think. Scatter vision. Right, yeah. Right, where you're basically, if you're trying to, you could use it in hunting or, as he would do, try to find people where you you don't really have a focus. You're not focusing in woods when you're looking for something like, okay, there, 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 there. He would just mm. keep Crippers. back. Yeah, right. Keep back, not focus on anything. And then your eyes much easily, much much easier catch movement. Then you right. f- then you pick what to focus on. It's the way right. to do it, man. Uh, I bet there's something to that, and I bet there's something to just like if you were like throwing a spear or something, uh, mm-hmm. relying on the millions of years of evolution to help you throw that spear and stop thinking about it. You know, just just go throw it. Right. There's something right. to that. Yeah, yeah. That uh, <laughs> in my mind, that, that's I see the difference between. A, a guy throwing a ball and a girl throwing a ball. Yeah. <laughs> like, you get this like eh, this real weird, awkward like movement, and then something about I don't know what that is. Maybe that, like you said, maybe that's the millions of years of evolution. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, I'm not going to cross that line. No, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, we just lost. Uh, well, I was going to say half, but I'll say we just lost one eighth of our all of all of our <laughs> podcast listeners. <laughs> one eighth, jeez, that's, yeah, a, that's lot. a lot. I know. I wish. I actually, uh, we what was the, the the bow build video we put out? And I was kind of keeping track of it on, a couple of days in a row, and I like looked. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, we have a hundred percent male viewers. A hundred percent after like four days. <laughs> For those Dude, people, I, I love looking at that stuff. On yeah, the yeah. Analytics. Oh my gosh, I have like. I have like four female followers. (laughs) (laughs) Four female knife makers out there. One of them is probably my wife giving me pity views. (laughs) (laughs) She's like started a couple different channels just out there, hiding in the background. It's terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I'm always impressed when the video has more than you know a couple percent. I'm like, hey, look at that. One and a half percent. (laughs) I tell you, we got to pull in. Nicole Dust, Dustin's wife. Mm-hmm. We gotta pull her and do a knitting video just to come on, try to get something. There yeah, you right. You would yeah, think the it, leather work would get some, you know? Yeah, right. <clears throat> I know. I think. I think the uh, extent. I do. I have had some. We've had some women comment on the channel and stuff, but uh, usually the extent of that is someone be like, "Oh, hello, you're super <laughs> cute." <laughs> I'm like, oh, there you go. <laughs> and then, the, oh, okay, the, that's uh, yeah, Tai Chin those. from. 
Korea. Well, I don't get any of those. So, <laughs> <laughs> how about the? Uh, I was curious on y'all's channel on the uh, geography. Like, I, I thought it was pretty surprising that only forty-six or so, or fifty percent of my views come from the U.S. Uh, I don't yeah. know if y'all see the same thing. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much the same. I think ours is up fifty to sixty, maybe. That's 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 really interesting uh, to me because it's like yeah. uh, you would think it would be the bulk of the U.S. I mean, it is the bulk U.S., but you would think it'd be higher than fifty percent. Right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I always I'm always really impressed when I kind of scroll down through that list of all the different countries, and then you get to the very bottom, and then the after forty different countries, and you get to the bottom, it says all other countries, and it's still three or four or five percent I'm like man right. there's other countries other than these 50 i just looked at that are that people are watching the channel it's amazing they gotta be bored man yeah <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't know just That's, watching some foreign speaking knife maker you know <laughs> right exactly just, just trying to learn how to speak english yeah because <laughs> i darn near talk during all of mine <laughs> yeah well so. you know that's right. It's yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So what's your kind of process when you're filming or when you're making a video? You just are you just purely filming? I know there's sometimes you talk yes. and values and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. So for a while I tried uh, you know, I had a shotgun mic trying to talk on camera. And that that worked fine. Um, I did some green screen too and that worked okay. What what I what I really like to do is do most of the filming during the building process and then voiceover with quality audio. That's mm -hmm. what I like to do. Um but every once in a while, I'll, I'll throw up the green screen and, and try to get a little more personal. So <laughs> nice. I, uh, <clears throat> I I agree that the good audio is important. Mm. Uh, really, yeah. that that can make or break a video. You're like, okay, I'm invested in what's going on right now. It's kind of cool, and then people start talking, and they sound like they're a million <laughs> miles away, and you're like, oh, this is so annoying. Yeah. Can't audio makes a difference, man. Hey, everybody, welcome to my channel. <laughs> Coming to you from the SS Chicago. Well, and the good news is, it doesn't really cost much to to get good audio. You know, I got this boom microphone that's like mm -hmm. thirty bucks or something, USB mm -hmm. mic. And then in DaVinci Resolve, which is the editing software I use, uh, they have a really good noise canceling uh, effects. So you can oh, go nice. back and cancel all the noise out. And uh, you can even affect the dialogue a little bit to base it up for a male voice or down for a yeah. female voice. So. Ah, nice. That's yeah, we nice. use we um, we started with a really nice wireless uh, Sennheiser lavalier setup. Um, but that's because we had it. Or I had it, or my, my dad had it, and then I, I kind of stole it, like you do. <laughs> and then, um, So that that's like the best, but so that started breaking. So then we switched to the Rode um, wireless lavalier setup, and that's only 200 bucks. And compared to, I mean, the top ones are like five 600 but it's yeah. a really good yeah. stable system. And if you don't have the the actual cable with the lavalier mic you can just use the uh, the receiver or, or the, the other box that's what right, we've been doing yeah. for a while and it sounds yeah. really good oh yeah um, yeah you yeah, also audio comes through great yeah that's that's one of the things that obviously Devin is a huge effect on because he's doing all the recording and audio and, and editing so you know and with his background in film and video as he's got that on you know, on par, which I've always appreciated. And, well, and yeah, we were just talking about, uh, I, in the bow video, I walked away from the, I shot the bow for the first time and then walked away from Devin as I was going over to get the arrow and talking about the shot that I missed and owe him five bucks for. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but he said he lost the audio completely because I got like too far away or I turned my back or something. So I had to piece together all this weird audio and get it. But I, I couldn't tell at all. It sounded perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That, job. that was weird. It's, it's, I don't know. It, it's hasn't done that. But once you got like beyond 10 feet and the camera I'm using, uh, you can't monitor the audio straight from the camera, which is one of the reasons we're getting a new camera next year. But, um, right. so I, I don't know. And I guess that's another reason why we do so many takes. Because I'm like, that was perfect, Dustin. But just in case, <laughs> let's do another one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, Mike, I just uh, I watched, uh, I don't know if you guys, either of you watched, or I, mean, I know you know Adam Savage, both of you, but um, Laura Kampf, who's a female maker in Germany, she, uh, yeah. she just had her like a live stream on making a, um, I think it's, I forget what it was called specifically. Adam called it something, but she did a live. It was this machine that basically like a, a disc sander that spun a propeller, which was on one, one side had a, a box full of, um, Brillo pads or steel wool that she lit on fire. So it made this huge, <laughs> like spinning fireball. <laughs> it was so okay. awesome. She did a live stream last Friday and then put out her video on Sunday. It was, I'm a, I'm a teacher, a high school teacher. And I saw it pop up on my, on my phone. Cause I was going through and I think we'd, we'd finished projects. So I was like, well, let's have just a relaxed day. We'll watch some videos on baking stuff. And, uh, and I saw that pop up. So I was like, Oh, let's watch this live stream of <laughs> like celebrating the end of 2020. But, uh, <laughs> but I noticed that, that Laura had the same microphone and she had it just like in the pocket of her jacket, you know, and just the main box dev. So she didn't have like anything hooked up. And then she had some, you know, like isotunes headphones or something. And she was talking to Adam Savage live. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool. I was like, Hey, there's look, a, there's our mic. <laughs> that stuff makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, and, and, I think that close-up mic is one of the keys. I mean, even a good shotgun, I mean, that's what many production places use it. But yep. they also back it up with a lavalier just in case. Because mm-hmm. you get that, I mean, straight from the source, it's hard to beat. And, yeah, that was like, I remember in film school, that was like day one. They're like, all right, so you got the perfect shot. Your lighting's perfect. Your actors, your take is amazing. But if your audio is shitty, everything's ruined. Yep. <laughs> No matter how much work you put into it, that's it. It's it's done. You have to try again. You, I mean, you have to do it again because you have to get clean audio. You right. know, yeah. not not to discourage those new makers out there uh, who want to start YouTube channels, you can get by with some pretty cheap equipment. Like, yeah. Um, the shotgun mic that I use when I do use one, it's like 40 bucks. It's not going to – you're not going to bring it to like a – you know, an industrial film shot. But right. if you're shooting in your garage on a – on a secondhand DSLR or something, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah and and a lot of that stuff, it's almost like it's like uh, those commercials where they compare your teeth with like a piece of like <laughs> paper towel. Yeah, it's like right. hey, you don't really notice how yellow it is unless yeah, unless I put it up next to a piece of a uh, printer paper. Yeah, I get right. that, <laughs> but on my teeth, I'm not putting my teeth up next to a printer paper. So why do I need that? It's the same thing with these amazing mics that you can get. Right. Um, that are a thousand dollars. Yeah, they do sound better if you like compare them right away, right next to them, and, and nitpick. But on its own, they they sound good, and they're not going to. The main thing is not to distract from what you're trying to do. Most people, ninety nine point nine percent of people, won't notice. So yeah, you hit a point of dimi- not diminishing returns, but probably slightly diminishing returns when it comes to your paycheck. So right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. you know, you you can get from uh, say say ten percent good is the built-in camera on your DSLR, built-in microphone on your DSLR. Mm-hmm. Right. You can get that up to like 75, 80% with 
with right. a fairly cheap, you know, tax star shotgun mic. And then right. if you want that extra 10 or 20%, you're going to have to pay for it. But yeah, most yeah. people can't tell. I mean, I'm going to say I could be wrong. Most people can't tell the difference uh, of that 10% unless they're listening yeah. to it with like Bose headphones that cost $500. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get, they have I to agree. be paying that extra 20% to get that, <laughs> to hear the yeah, Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah, everybody, everyone's, and like you just said, the Bose thing, everyone's audio setup is different. Oh, yeah. So as yeah. long as you get decent, clean audio, that, that's all you can try to do. I mean, you can tweak it here and there, but someone's going to be on a sound bar. Someone's going to be listening off their shitty phone speaker. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you, you don't know. And then someone's going to have their bows and just get it clean. That, that's yep. the thing I would say to main people. As long as there's not a lot of things, you're not hitting it, you're not far away from it, stay close to it, get clean audio, you'll be fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the editing yeah. process is pretty fun, though. I, I kind of got into it a little bit. The, you know, making sure that audio is clean, but also the video. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm using a, not the most expensive camera. You know, I got a Panasonic G7, and it's it's yeah. a little micro four thirds, and it's mm-hmm. it's great. It gets the job done. It it'll shoot 4K if I want it to, but I do most of myself stuff in 1080, uh, 30 frames per second is what I normally do. Yeah, and I'll do some slow mo stuff with the iPhone uh, at like oh. 128. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I really like getting in. You know, DaVinci, and you, I feel like a nice clean edit. Uh, kind of goes a long way for the viewer and you want it to almost I feel like I want it to be almost so clean uh, that they didn't really they can't really notice that it's like over edited but mm. uh, but it have a very clean crisp sharp picture especially when you're getting close-ups with machining stuff mm-hmm. uh, I think that goes a long way for sure yeah I mean the a lot of videos you see are just and and a lot of them are great because we've all gone to somewhere we've typed in like the exact small thing and there's Jim Bob like over his shoulder, like explaining, here I got the blah blah blah, <laughs> and it's it's like four by three and it, whatever, but it works. But when you get up close and you get a nice crisp picture and crisp yeah. audio, it uh, goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I may be a little over the top, but I'll color grade just about every clip. Uh, not not like a full <laughs> nice. color grade, but <laughs> I'll right. I'll adjust all the you know, I'll adjust the sharpness probably every clip, and then I'll definitely adjust the exposure because. I'm not good. I shoot in manual, but I'm not like really good at it. So I have some over and under uh, exposed video all the time that kind of needs some tweaks. Um, yeah, but it's like it's one of those tools that once you know about it, you use it <clears throat> like like digital sure. calipers or something, right? Well, you can I could use a, a ruler to mark, you know, but if but if I have digital calipers, might as well use digital calipers, <laughs> and I use them all the time because it's there. Oh, yeah. And the the I think the way you shoot your videos, James, it kind I, I think it. You have more time to do that because, right, most of the time it's you just, you shoot you working and then you come back and you lay the voice over, right. over it. So you have a bit more time to uh, fiddle with it, I guess, which is, which is nice, which I kind of wish we had because I don't do, I don't do any <laughs> color grading <laughs> once it's, unless, unless it's overexposed, right. I, I don't, I don't really mess with it. Whatever comes out of the camera I use, um. That's because it takes so well, long. Well, y'all have a really good space, too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of challenging. Uh, I, I got the garage door there that's open. And <laughs> so if I'm shooting by the garage door versus inside the shop, the uh, uh, yeah. the lighting yeah. is so different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Ours, Dustin's basement stays pretty, unless he's in the corners. But, yeah, it's, yeah. it stays, stays pretty. Yeah, uh, that um, the way we I had that shop, <clears throat> the lighting I had that shop set up is, 
when I when we moved in this house, there was the bench, which is against my wall, which now is the bench that I use that has the vice attached to it. Um, that was there. And then in the middle of the floor, along with some other junk and random bits of storage and stuff, was just a big pile of those uh, it, like construction lights. So the big yellow extension <laughs> with the yellow basket lights. It was just in a giant pile that was all tangled on the floor when I moved in. And so my wife and I rent, like hung it and ran it around the, sh- the basement <laughs> so we could set it up. And I was like pumped right away. I was like, yes, a shop space, finally. <laughs> uh, you know, I own shop space. And then, of course, it got like half of it got filled up with storage. And then, oh, you know, we've got, we have one of the early videos is us uh, building the wood rack and then redoing the entire space. So be able to like extend into the back. And that made a huge difference. And then, yeah. you know, that's full of tools and junk and stuff. And like, uh, there's it's always a process. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, and I was thinking we should, uh, we were thinking about doing some quick videos and one of the things I was doing, we did do a, a shop tour video, not too, you know, maybe a year and a half ago or so. And I, I've kind of made a, some significant changes since then in the shop. So think about doing another tour, brief tour, just to like show what things are doing, but well, you'll I've should. Got, it's, a, it's yeah. evolving always, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that you know, it goes back to the same thing with the tools. Like there's always, you're always kind of making, trying to make the process a little bit that more, you know, clean and, uh, and fluid when you're working in a, in a shop, especially in a shop. Space. And that's one of the, one of the things I love about Adam Savage's, uh, build videos. He's always, you know, working on shop infrastructure. I think that's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. It, I, I, but the part I love the most is I'll sit there in there and I'll look around. And I'm like, well, I want this new piece of equipment mm-hmm. and I need to find space for it somehow. And you know, <laughs> More times than not, you can kind of figure out a way to just build more shelving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, get stuff in there, and then you end up with a you know four walkways and <laughs> right. <that's it. laughs> well, if I'm the only one in here and I don't mind walking sideways through three thirds of my three quarters of my shop, then I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. So our, ours is kind of half gym too. So it's kind yeah. of it needs to be open enough. Uh, for us to be able to get in there and use it as a gym as well, right? Uh, so it could be it could be slightly challenging at times. <laughs> I think you need to build an extension on the back of that garage. I know, man. We need to <laughs> we need to shop something ferrous. Yeah, <laughs> don't we all? Yeah, I don't think yeah. the HOA is cool with that. <laughs> right? Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about building a, kind of a lean-to structure off the back of my house next to the opening that goes down to the shop, so I can move all my forging stuff outside. Because okay. I really, you know, I use my, my forge to do heat treating most of the time. And, you know, when I can, I'll take it outside and do it. But if I can't, you know, I'll run it for half an hour in the basement, turn mm-hmm. on fans so they're blowing out and stuff, you know, so I kind of get some air circulation, but I just like run it real quick. And we've had people be like, are you crazy running a forge in your basement? And I'm like, well, that's the space I have, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I've, I, I always close the door when I heat treat uh, so I can see what's going on. And yeah. I, I've always wondered uh, how fast it would kill me, but. Uh, <laughs> right you know it, yeah. it's it's it hasn't done it yet and I haven't gotten lightheaded or anything so right yeah exactly except that you know i just kind of keep track of it i like i said i usually leave the door open and turn a fan on blowing out so it's kind of circulating some air and yeah. call it good what are you gonna do you know <laughs> you gotta do yeah. what you gotta do yeah it's like i uh i just I, you know my our shop my shop is right below my daughter's bedroom so obviously we can only we can only film so late as well as yeah as long as there's not a carbon monoxide poisoning seeping up through the floors <laughs> i mean if we pass out first then they'll know to stop 
Yeah, exactly. like a canary in a coal mine. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I do yeah. have uh, CO2 or CO sensors on all of my, uh, uh, you know, fire <laughs> I don't know, things I, as well. I, I had, so I remember dangerous. we had one of those in, um, when I lived in New York City, actually in Brooklyn. And every time it went off, we just thought something was wrong with it. <laughs> so it was always just like Darn it. those things once they go off you're like oh that stupid thing's going off again unplug it <laughs> unplug it <laughs> this thing's annoying I'm trying to save your life all the time definitely See. make sure to have a good fire extinguisher <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> um yeah i even i even put a solenoid on my my uh blown burner yeah, forage i, I mean that. I, I just kind of worry you know if that's what i worried about more than the carbon dioxide i worried about like you know me stepping away to go grab something from inside the house and then the power goes out and then power comes back on three minutes later and it's pumped full of gas, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But I do I, like, I, I will say, I do like the blown uh, burners way way better than the Venturi's. Don't get me wrong, the Venturi's are fine, but right. uh, the control you get with a with a blown burner, I like a little bit better. Yeah, I saw that. That's, I'm interested in that. I'm you know, where I, uh, the forge, the brick forge that I built, I just built out of the fact that we had the materials available to us, my buddy Sean and I. So we built uh, a kind of a prototype version, which he has, um, that's crafting life. I want his channel. Um, and then we built the double burner for, uh, for, you know, for me to use. Um, and we had the, the hard, the hard, uh, refractory bricks and the angle iron. Pretty much I built that, you know, with no money except for the burners, which I bought. But, uh, but I definitely, when I, when I was going to build that one, my, my plan originally was to build a, uh, like a propane tank forge, you know, using a propane tank, which Mm -hmm. again, same thing I saw, I think maybe one of the first times I saw it was when, uh, when, um, simple little life when he made his, you know, and I was like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, fairly simple, cut out the hole, you know, open it up, put in the KO wool and the hard bricks and whatever. And Mm -hmm. you're good to go. Uh, so that was the plan, but then I ended up having having the the different materials available to me. So we built the brick forges, which which work fine for heat treating, which is we use predominantly for heat treating. But then we also use them more often as well, just for uh, for blacksmithing, just doing some stuff. Yeah, the uh, I actually found that uh, I I did the propane tank one. I, I liked it; it's oh, perfectly right good. I would advise an uh, air tank. Those those are ten inches in diameter. Mm-hmm excellent size it's a great size i guess it depends yeah. on what you're doing you guys do more axe stuff so maybe a bigger one's needed yeah that's that is that's one of the things i was thinking about too and i'm i'm on the on the edge of getting a uh, heat treating oven <clears throat> oh, man. and so i'm uh, thinking back and the forth dream that yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah the real actually, dream uh, I'll, I'll shout out uh, jesse allison from uh, mountain prevail knife works he he reached out to me recently and um and he's he's looking to sell some stuff and uh, unfortunately i wasn't able to take him up on it but um but hopefully in the near future that'll be something I can get and use that to do uh, heat treating. But but until then, you know, I yeah, think I'll get uh, there eventually too. Know. That's a that's a nice. That's all. <laughs> that's when you know you're you're uh, you're really stepping up your game. Right. You yeah. <laughs> and with with the uh, the journey knife, which kind of prototyped and have come up with, and I've used over the summer and into the winter, and I'm really happy with. Uh, I want to put a run of you know kind of a small batch run of those out there for sale. And so, as I'm getting to the the point where I want to possibly sell more knives, because at this point it's still pretty much just hobby. I'm using them. I'm making for you know commissions for friends and stuff. And mm-hmm. but because that's not really my main focus i do all sorts of different stuff trying to just you know 
make lots of things, but uh, I, I would like to make more and I would like to put them out there. And so that's kind of one of those things that if you want to be able to professionally heat treat to a point where you feel confident that it, you have a good, you know, hardness and you can yeah. sell a, a product that you can stand behind, then yeah, it's kind of that next point. But it's, yeah, it's not cheap. It's yeah, a big I mean, jump. The, the only other option there is, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, I'm definitely more of a YouTuber than knife maker now, I'd say, which is yeah. kind of crazy. But uh, <laughs> but the knives that I do make, uh, I sell a lot to friends and family and coworkers yep. and stuff. Um, but I also have sold some to the general public, and you know, I guess it. I wouldn't do that if I was using like fifteen, uh, fifty-one sixty, or if right. I was using even like ten ninety-five. But with ten eighty-four, I, f- I could be wrong. I feel pretty damn confident in the heat treats that I have, and yeah, um, you know, I also do. In the beginnings, especially, I did a bunch of testing uh, on 1084 heat treats, and um, it's just such kind of a—you don't need to soak time, you know. It's such kind of a no-brainer yeah. steel uh, that it, it really it really performs well with just a forge heat treat. And uh, I've put some knives through way more than I think my customers will, so right. I don't feel yeah. too bad about that. But if I was right. doing any more exotic steel, um, but even with 1084, I would definitely feel better if it was heat treated with a yeah. treating oven. You know. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a, a pretty forgiving steel, um, and like you said, it's it's you can you can be pretty confident in it, and and you know it's obviously the other part of it is just customer service. Obviously, you tell your customers like this is what it is. They they can see your channel, oh, yeah. so they know what you're making. So if yeah. if they don't want to buy a knife that's not heat treated in, a, in an oven, then they can buy it from somewhere else. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, totally, right? Totally. I mean, this is what I, I'm giving you, and obviously, if it fails on you, it's you bring it back. Like we'll we'll make yep. you another one. Like, right. Yeah, I, and, and, knock on wood. I haven't had one fail yet, but yeah, you never right, know, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. The, that's uh, why I pretty much make everything with a Corby fastener too. I mean, it, yep. I don't think it's necessary, but. I like having a mechanical mm. connection on the handle scales along with G-Flex. And I feel yeah. like those two things together makes a pretty damn bulletproof handle. Uh, that, yeah. That's that's what you did on the, the Journey dust? Was that the one? Yep, yep. Corby yeah. fasteners on the Journey. That's the first time I used Corby's. And, you know, I've just, as like a hobby maker, I started out with just using eighth-inch brass rod that I got from mm-hmm. Lowe's. And, and then, and, and I mean, those, my very first knives that I made ha- haven't failed they're just using like regular two-part epoxy from a tube that you can squeeze both, you know, both yeah. syringe at the same time. And I, you know, basically sharpened them or, uh, or flattened the scales on sandpaper on probably a piece of plywood or something <laughs> you know, at the time. It's like, you know, they're not yeah. they're They don't, they have gaps and stuff just from the original, uh, me not being very accurate with it, but none of them have come apart or failed. So yeah, yeah I, I, agree I feel like, uh, I feel like when you're, when you're putting the, when you're taking the next step, I feel like it's for like uh, the ten or twenty or thirty year knife, you know. Yeah. Yep. And it, it may not. It's really not necessary. I mean, plenty of knife or knife makers make uh, perfectly good knives without using mechanical connection fasteners like a Loveless right. fastener or a Corby fastener. But yep. um, man, I, I feel like it's just another step of, hey man, you can like you can run over this thing with a tank. Right. <laughs> the handle, the handle <laughs> yeah. scale is going to break. Before right. they come apart, you know. Yeah, and right. the, the difference, you know, the difference in cost. You got to pay like mm. a couple bucks for a Corby or whatever, yeah. you know, a buck and a half or something, as opposed to uh, you know twenty cents for a piece of brass rod. So it's not like you're jumping up, you know, it's not thirty or forty dollars difference where you can get into like handle material where it can be a big difference. You go mm-hmm. from like, regular wood to stabilized burls and things, and you get up to forty, fifty dollars you know, <laughs> for scales. So that can start to get really crazy. Yeah, yeah, but, it's uh, just a good peace of mind. I some, guess. Something yeah. like those bolts it's one of the, we always kind of talk about tricks that you learn 
Yeah. And as you're making stuff and you get better and better, it's it's all tricks. I mean, there's craftsmanship and there's knowledge and wisdom, but I think that's another name for learning the tricks of the trade. Mm. Right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you're like, oh, he uses that. Uh, of course it comes out so much better. I've been doing it this way. Right. Like, no, oh, no, yeah. no wonder his looks perfect. No wonder that's staying on. He's using that. So you're just... It's like when you learn to draw a 3D ball for the first time, and you learn about <laughs> shading and the angles, and then you're like, "Oh, that's how they do it. That's not <laughs> that's, that's not that hard." Here we go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've destroyed plenty of knife at this point. Uh, I feel like that's a good process to do: destroy a couple of the knives you make, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like completely in a vice, bending them. I mean, seeing when they actually break. Uh, but I've always been pretty impressed <laughs> with the performance of those Corby fasteners and. Coupled with G Flex, of course, you know I've done some epoxy testing, right? And uh, I found that G Flex definitely it performs better. It, it performs better, I think, than the competition on non uh, on on non metal items. So, for instance, right. it, it will connect to a, a micarta scale very well. I don't think it would be ideal for connecting brass uh, to your to your full tang knife or something like right. that. Yeah. But when it comes to like a, a micarta scale. Whenever I break a micarta scale off of a knife that I use G Flex and a Corby fastener, pieces of the micarta stay on, uh, stay on the tang. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I mean, the, the micarta is breaking to come off the knife. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've used some other epoxies and they don't seem to grip on to the handle scale material as well. Right. Um, but they, I think they perform better on metal. So uh, I'll give a shout out to, I guess. Uh, Combat Abrasives Rogue Epoxy. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem to work as well to me on the handle scale material, but when I was doing a metal-on-metal test with it, it did seem to perform a little better than the G-Flex does. So Mm. I guess you got different epoxies are good at different things. Right, yeah. And, you know, you got to think that also relates back to some of the prep, you know, the the prep, how how flat you are, or if you've, you know, you've sanded your surface so you get some grip on the steels and things like that, so. For sure. yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I did. The, when I did the testing, I, I surface ground all the pieces and cleaned them. But there's always a chance that I got some oil in there or something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then, like you said on the knife, I mean that's like crucial. You need to have flat, yep. clean pieces uh, to get a good epoxy. Yeah, and you know, like anything else in in any uh, any hobby that we do, there's always some people who have one way of thought and some people who have another way of thought. And like you, oh, yeah. you know, what you can do is you can do what you do is test it yourself. You know, then you can at least stand behind. Like I like using this for this reason because I've tested it and I know it works well. So oh yeah. That's all you can do. And, you know, I kind of cheated, you know, cause I started off with the product that's kind of the gold standard. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you get on the forms or anything like the G-Flex. over the last decade, yeah. it's G flex, man. Yep. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And, and that, it, man, it stands up to its name, man. It stuff's great. That, yeah. That's the great thing about modern times. You can research something for 20 hours before you ever touch it. <laughs> and you, you get a thousand uh, ideas of what should work, and the, you probably get one of the best ones because you can go through all that and people all their their fa- failures. But you can also get something that worked for you that doesn't work for nine out of ten people. Right? <laughs> it's it's yeah. like oh, yeah. it's uh, it, sometimes it's like vehicles where I, I had a Ford Explorer that ran through everything. I know right. it's not necessarily a great truck, and they explode. <laughs> but my Ford Explorer did awesome for this amount of time. I also had another one that did terrible. But that's, I feel like you get that. Someone's like, oh, I don't know, it oh, worked yeah. for me. Right. You know, a, a good piece of advice I would give to like any new knife maker is get on Blade Forms and create an account. Yeah. And then go to the shop talk section 
And in that section, there is a link to a custom Google search engine for blade forms. And it is extremely helpful. You can pretty much type in anything in that little custom Google search for blade forms specifically and find topics. You know, blade, blade forms has been around for a long time. When I yeah. got into knife making in the beginning, it was there. And people yeah. were asking questions on it. So I'll type in a topic sometimes. And, I, you know, you'll be reading threads from like 2005. And yeah. um, there's a yeah. lot of good information on there, man. Yeah, like same thing. When I when I got into making the same thing, it was it was all blade forms that I was looking at. Um, I remember just tons of great knife makers on blade forms, and also I remember that uh, one of the I don't, I'm not sure if um, Fiddleback Forge still does uh, stuff on blade forms, but they always had their like Fiddleback Friday, which they now do on YouTube to talk about the knives that are available. That was like all on blade forms in the beginning. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, so great. So when you started talking about blade forms earlier and about the, like the she's and things, I'm like, yeah, right on. That's a throwback. Dude, they're still <laughs> a great resource, man. I'm on there yeah. every day. You yeah, know, absolutely. Just looking to see what they're talking about. Cause you'll pick up some things here and there. And, um, you know, yeah. like you said, they had some amazing makers on there. They had, you know, that Nick Wheeler was pretty active on it yep. for a while. Yep. I mean, on the she side, Paul Long was pretty active on there for a while. So, I mean, they've had some, legends sort of speak uh right playing around on blade forms for a long time that's another one of those things that is awesome with technology these days and the fact that we have social media and even you know back to then where you have a website where everyone goes and that's i mean everyone goes there and everyone's willing to pitch in information and put it out there and then and now you have instagram and youtube and, oh yeah yeah and actually i wanted to ask you briefly about instagram I mean, you have on instagram you have what, almost thirteen and a half thousand subscribers. That's a that's a good haul. I mean, I just oh, hit three thousand subscribers on Instagram. So uh, I was wondering, oh, like, well, did you start on got Instagram? Y'all got me. Y'all got me beat handily on the YouTube side. Oh. So <laughs> don't feel too bad. <laughs> nah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I I, uh, I started the Instagram and the YouTube thing around the same time. So oh, okay. Uh, for a while, they actually tracked pretty well with each other, mm. and, and then the YouTube kind of took off. But. Um, you know, for anyone looking to build their Instagram account, I would advise trying to post something every day. I feel like yeah. that helped a lot. Uh, even if you do all your work in two or three days like I do uh, right. on the weekends, I, I'd kind of store kind of a, a sequence of pictures and kind of post them once a day. So that right. I feel like that went a long way for that growth. But uh, yeah. it was just organic, man. And that's that's yeah. so easy com- I, in, in my head compared to YouTube to post one right. thing a day, one photo. That, that's like nothing. You just... <laughs> like you said, backlog some things, but backlog yep. a day of work and then just put them out one day at a time. Yeah. We uh, we were really not against that type of stuff. We just didn't think about it early on. Right. All the other social media stuff. They're like, you should have this and this and this. We're like, uh, okay. Like, I don't yeah, know. That makes sense. It's interesting, <laughs> too, because I, I know there's a lot of people on Instagram that don't follow the YouTube channel and obviously vice versa, too. And, mm. and you know, you'll post something on yeah. Instagram and they'll ask a question and it's like, uh, well, here, here's a video for that. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, so, and I also have, I've done a little bit of content that's kind of Instagram exclusive, I would say. Yeah. You know, videos that aren't quite to my YouTube caliper, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the one I posted uh, yesterday, I, I'm making a modification to a work rest. Right. And I, I don't think that that's something that I would want to put on YouTube just because, you know, it's like four or five minute video at the most if I stretch it out. And right. it's not very uh, intense, you know. It's a pretty simple thing, but if you speed it up to a minute and throw it on Instagram, people people like watching that type of stuff on Instagram. So, right. 
I've been doing small stuff like that because I have the footage. I'm doing it. I might as well film it, and then I'll just do like a quick edit and throw it on IGTV. So. Yeah, and I think that uh, that obviously it's like a feeder to YouTube, right? Because I want to send people over to YouTube so we can make money off of their views, ideally. <laughs> but if you can give them little teasers, that's why we do we do like the sneak peeks and stuff. Like, check this out. This is what I'm working on. You know, this is what we're doing in the shop, and then we're gonna know check it out on our video that's coming up soon um you know i'm not sure uh, you talk about making money on instagram and uh, you're right there's there's really not much monetization i think that you can do on there but uh i think when you get i'm not exactly sure what this what this follower count is on instagram right uh, but there's a point that you can start putting a swipe up feature in your story uh, uh. it could be like eight thousand or ten thousand or something like that um but what i'll do now is i'll post a uh, story with a quick 15 second teaser for the video. Right. And then I'll put a link to the YouTube video that they can swipe up and go to. Uh, so you can do the same thing with affiliate marketing on Instagram. So if you have a tool that you really like, uh, yeah, you can do okay. like a little 15 minute clip and then you can swipe up to the affiliate Amazon link and you can try to monetize it like that. So oh, I think there nice. are some options on the Instagram. It's just a little harder. Yeah, yeah. It was. I've, I've been seeing the swipe up, and I was like, "How does? How do you do that?" <laughs> so, like you said, it might be once you get to a certain amount, and then they make and they enable that feature. Um, and yeah, that's Devin and I were just talking yesterday. We were working on working on a new video in the shop, and he's like, "Maybe we need a business manager. <laughs> we need somebody with like the mindset who can do all this work for us, so we can just focus on the like making and building and the crafting side of it." You know, it's like I got a question for you guys. Do y'all have a? Uh, and I, I just started one. Do y'all have a Patreon? We yeah. do. Yep. Yeah. How's that work out for you guys? Because uh, I have. I just. I'm new to it. I just. I just started it. Uh, it's. For one, it's great. We actually early on we we uh, we thought about it, and for the first year, I think we only put out six videos on YouTube, and we were like, "Well, we don't really have enough of a library that we want to ask people for money yet." Right. And then maybe it was the second year after we started putting out some things and putting a lot of time and work into it. Then we're like, then I thought a friend of mine said to me, "Like, look, there's some people out there. You've got." thousands of views so let's say if you're making even hundreds of views there's people out there who like you and if they have the means or the desire to support you you should make that available to them so it, so right you're not you're not begging for it unless you are but right. if if you just bring it up and say like we do if you want to support us in another way you can do patreon and we don't have a lot but we have some steady people who for whatever reason, want to want to pitch in because they feel like it's something they get value from, and then that has uh, allowed us. Now we're going to buy. Speaking of Panasonic, I think we're going to buy the S5, um, the Lumix, the the nice 4K camera with. Nice. Speaking of, yeah, like uh, color grading, the 10 bit and all that stuff, and that's all money from there. That's all from Patreon, and that's kind of what nice, we man. what we set it up as is. Yeah. Hey, if we let this sit and, and gain some money, even if it's a little bit, eventually we can have a, a good chunk of money to just reinvest into the channel. Yeah, you know, I felt weird starting it. I really did, and that's why yeah. I put it off for so long. Mm. It's, it's yeah. very, it's a very odd thing to start. Uh, mm -hmm. Just like, hey, give me money. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I will say, I, I think I heard. Uh, I think I heard. I was talking uh, with House Houseworks yeah. Brian, and I think I heard them talking about it. And it was kind of the same thing you said, you know, you got to give them an avenue 
yeah. um, if they want to support the channel. And I've had people ask, like, hey, do you have a Patreon account? I'm like, well, no, because I felt weird making it. But uh, I kind of like it, and I tried to uh, – the way I set it up is – is like I wanted to give them something a little extra if they had if they get on the Patreon. So oh, right. I'm putting all my templates on there for because people ask mm-hmm. for the knife templates pretty oh, nice. frequently. Yeah. I normally draw them in CAD anyway, uh, so I'll just put a PDF on there, you know, uh, yeah. so that the patrons can have download PDFs of knife templates. Yeah, we had we had that same conversation when we were same thing. We kind of felt weird. We're like, I don't know, do we have enough? You know, do we have enough of a backlog? Do we have enough? Is it worth it to you know do something? And like I said, when uh, Devin's buddy was like, you know, you gotta give them an avenue to give you something because if you don't have the avenue, they're gonna give it to someone else, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that makes sense. Um, but uh, so when we started it, we we didn't want it to be like. If you're a patron, you're a patron because you get all this stuff on Patreon. You know, it was right, like gotcha. if if and and you know we we want to be able to put stuff up and we've done some giveaways for patrons on Patreon, but it was more like we we had to, we took a decent amount of time writing the information for Patreon to be like if you know we want to give you good quality videos on YouTube. And that's gotcha. what we want to give you. And we'll give it to you for free. But if you want to come over and support us and, you know, that you're just going to help us make better quality videos for YouTube. So it was yeah, like, yeah. we tried to that's make it pretty point. specific and not, you know, we weren't, it's not that we don't want to give them more stuff, but it was like, we want to spend our time getting re- go, right. doing good quality videos on YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we don't and, have, uh, we don't have much choice there. Right. Um, yeah. It takes as much time as we can give now to putting out two videos a month on YouTube. I mean, that's all the time we have. Yeah. <laughs> like we're putting right. all our time into that. I, unless we had someone else who would upload things and, and do right. a little, like we did a little bonus blooper reel in there. And, but we told people like, we, we, we don't do commercials yet. We're, we're, I actually want to talk to you about that, James, but like, we don't have any commercial breaks in ours and they're like fit, you know, it can be a 50 minute uh, yeah. video. Yep. So that's what we're trying to, give someone y- y'all aren't alex stealing video games you know <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah and you know that's that's another thing like we've had we've had people reach out to us about um about sponsorships and stuff and and uh it's just not no, no hate to alex still by the way no I'm yeah just, i'm just saying it's, i think it's kind of funny right yeah. if if some stupid video game said we're gonna give you 10 grand to put in your video i'm in i would do it <laughs> absolutely just right kidding. yeah hey uh you can be in a barbie world too and control the barbie jeep all over the bottom <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. do that in a second. The price is right yeah but you know but for what what people what they're offering it's really it's not worth it to right to right. drop it in the middle and give them yeah. you know, thousands and thousands of views for their product for, for sure. this for a small amount of money you know and it's mm-hmm. not trying to sound like we're greedy but you know we have a product that we like to put out the way it is it's distracting and, too yeah you know? and if we're going to put a distraction in then it's got to be worth it you know right if we're, um, right if we're going to yeah. put a point in our video where you're going to skip over it and have to like jump up and start to skip yeah that has to be worth yep. it for us because almost everybody skips that stuff so oh yeah and you know uh, the same argument can be made with the you know internal uh, YouTube ads, you know, it took me a while yeah. to, yeah. it took me a while to feel comfortable to even put those on there because it was, uh, you know, it it could be distracting, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I wanted to ask you. I mean, you don't have to go too too in depth, but I've seen uh, your videos. They have a limited amount. I think some of them, not as I think. Do you probably not put as many as they suggest? Do you pick a few? Oh spots? yeah, definitely. So the way I have it set up is, I, I would rather my video make less money on ads. 
and be a popular yeah. video. Okay. So mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. what I try to do is I only use the skippable ads. I don't. I currently don't use any of the non-skippable ads, which right. I don't know if I'll change that in the future. But uh, I'll go in there and I will adjust the ad breaks. And I'll, I'll put it in the very middle of the video, and I'll pick a spot. I'll pick a right. spot that makes sense. Right. And I'll put it right in the middle most of the time in the video. Um, so if you're going to get hit with an ad, it's going to be once, hopefully, at the right. beginning or in the middle right. uh, of that video. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're, we're – we're, we've been talking about that, trying to decide if we want to do that. And maybe we'll do it on a few videos because right now we don't have any. We I think we have one in the beginning and one at the end. but Right. We we think it, it it all depends if it if it's worth it to us. Um, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. I feel like you gotta do it, quote unquote, right. You know, you gotta find a yeah. spot in the video yeah. where right because uh, your audience is invested. Yeah, the YouTube breaks are insane. It's like every five oh, minutes. Yeah. Like yeah. I've by accident left them in a few right because now they do that automatic thing where they just pop it on your video, mm -hmm. and then I hear someone complain. I'm like, why are they get? I'm like, oh no, and then I look at it, <laughs> and it's a video with like 15 breaks. I'm like, oh my, Ugh. yeah, yeah, we hate that too. Sorry, let me let me jump yeah. on that and change that. Yeah. So we might do a few and put one somewhere in the middle because hopefully if, if they've watched 20 minutes of our video and there's one skippable ad, they'll stay with us. Yeah, I think they will. And it, it, most of the time yeah. they do, you know, uh, especially you know, if they're going to leave your video at that point, they probably weren't really paying attention that much anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, most of the time I, I would make sure to put it in there at a point where it's like, if you've been watching this, you want to know what happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make you wait three seconds <laughs> you know, before you can see the end uh, just so I can make more of these videos, you know? Uh, right. Yeah. So I, I don't feel, I wouldn't use the word bad. I don't feel bad for it because I mean, it, it's really what allows these little channels to kind of stay alive yeah. and, you know, and cover right. their expenses, so to speak. So. Right. Yeah. That, that, um, give or take whatever you're making, even if it's a couple hundred bucks here and there, that really helps all of us continue on because always Dustin and I we talk about it all the time we've gotten to a point we're not making a lot of money but we are making enough money to where if we if we want to buy gear and things yep. for the channel it's not it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt mm. yeah right it can be like hey we got to spend 200 bucks it's not like oh I don't know it's 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 the art of craftsmanship money it's fine and that's actually yep. it's it's a good spot to be at I mean obviously we like everyone we'd like to make a, a big handful of cash and not have to do anything else and just make YouTube right. videos but to get to a point where we can feel comfortable spending more money on the channel that that's a nice spot yeah, yeah it's self uh, it's nice when it you know gets to a point where it's self-sustaining I guess yeah. would be the word. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. absolutely yeah and I think <clears throat> I've had you know with a few other people um, I've talked to when you get to that point where you can you start feeling comfortable like, okay now I can use this money to, it doesn't have to just go into rent or into mortgage or whatever else, you know, school loans, but it can actually be used for a little bit of things here and there. Um, but it, I think it took, like I said, it took a decent amount of time for us to get to that point. But Oh, yeah. It normally um, increases the quality of the content, too. You know, if, if people yeah. are listening to this and they're like, uh, you know, these guys are talking about just monetizing their craft. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, what it does is it allows the maker to not only buy the materials and equipment needed, but also... Uh, feel comfortable investing the time yeah, right. to go into the details and not, on some of these things. Right, know? and not just the maker, the whole maker's family and the maker's wife and, yes, <laughs> and the that time helps. that you leave the baby to go shoot at Dustin's house. Right. <laughs> she knows that it's an investment. Right. Uh, um, right. uh, James, I, you're uh, in Texas, right? 
Yes, sir. Yes. So I wanted to ask a, a Texan, how do you feel about people kind of, it seems like, a lot of big names are flooding to Texas from California and other places <laughs> right now. <laughs> How do you feel like like um, Joe Rogan and Elon Musk yep. and all these huge names who are bringing in big bucks? Um, they're kind of fed up with certain things, so they're coming to Texas. Uh, what do you feel about that? You know, I, I like that they recognize uh, you know, the, the good qualities of the Texas <laughs> economy. You know, it's great. It's great for the state to have a bunch of influential influential people who bring in a bunch of resources with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a website actually, I don't know if it's still up, but it was called uh, howmoneywalks.com, I think. And mm-hmm. what it showed is how uh, resources have moved in between states over the last decade or so based mm-hmm. on the census data. And uh, Texas is always green on that chart. People are in, I guess, California, New York are normally red, people <laughs> moving out of those states. Uh, into into Texas, and mm. I think the to wrap it up, I, I would say that the reason they're doing it is just because of the amount of liberty, I guess, that Texas has right. uh, compared to some places in the rest of the country. Freedom and liberty are kind of the cornerstones of the state. So, uh, if you're going to come here, you'll get more liberty and you'll get more freedom. Uh, just make sure that you don't vote to get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah, don't come in and vote against us. <laughs> don't make us like whatever state you're leaving. <laughs> right. Um, the big fear is that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a fear. You know, it could be an ideal scenario if, uh, if they come and make Texas into the states that they're leaving, uh, maybe in 50 years or now or so, you know, California will be like Texas. <laughs> and we can all move there to nicer weather. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're like, yeah. all right, it's perfect. <laughs> it's yeah. perfect. Could, it's actually a master on. plan. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's great. It, yeah, it's um, yeah, leaving money in people's pockets. And I heard some people like, yeah, these people are just leaving because, uh, or Joe Rogan's, he's getting big money deals, so he's just leaving to keep his money. I'm like, um, yeah, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> he wants to keep his money. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the end of the argument. Yeah, no state income tax here, so right. He wants <laughs> to keep nice. his own money. That's all right. Yeah, right. You can't fault um, him for that. Yeah. And once you move your 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 business to Texas, um, I was thinking of it. What what a great resource to be able to stamp your product made in Texas. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a Texan, you know, or maybe you don't, that if something says from Texas, that's it's like a. Uh, it's a good thing for sure, like a badge of honor. You feel like it's tough. You feel like there's this nice. I mean, they could have their whatever they're making in some mall there's pride. mall there's next pride. to a McDonald's. But <laughs> what we think, we think of like this cool like tumbleweed out out down in Texas, like <laughs> right. and there's a, yeah, there's a pride in it, and you kind of know that it will be built tough, or you at least hope it will. Yeah, there's definitely pride in the state, and. And there's a good reason for it. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in Texas, but uh, I definitely wish I did in some at some situ- in some points. And uh, it's definitely a, a great state to live in. So, Where, yeah. Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Louisiana. All right. Okay. Yeah. Louisiana. So yeah, I, I would I would uh, for anyone thinking about moving to Texas, I would recommend it highly. <laughs> nice. It's a great state. So I wanna um I want to ask you about one more thing before we kind of start to wrap it up um and that's actually your 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 uh respirator <laughs> that's, that's funny you bring that up 
I think I think that is the product that I have been asked the most about. <laughs> yes. On every video I post. Hey man, can I get the link to that respirator? <laughs> like, That's I mean, I've started putting it in the description. I yeah, mean, beards are in, man. Everyone, everyone's growing beards. I've had a beard since literally I was in like middle school. So, <laughs> but yeah, using the regular respirators, the beard, it, it, I obviously, I think. The amount, obviously, I, I would say if I was if professional and I'm doing something every day, you know, I, I would look into a better respirator. But I have just the 3M, like, flip-down respirator um, with a particle um, particle filters on it. But I, I love that respirator. And it's funny, my, my buddy Sean was like, yeah, he's got the respirator for, you know, because he's got the beard. And I was like, well, what about his nose? Like, there's nothing, because I didn't see, well, the, like, the nose clip. But then I yeah. noticed that, too. So. It, it does come with the nose clip. Yeah. I, I will admit that I'm not perfect, and I do not always wear it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I focus on breathing through my mouth in those scenarios. Right. It's not... So, but most of the time, if I'm doing a uh, heavy workload type, hogging away handle material, I'll definitely put the nose yeah. clip on. Uh, takes a while to get used to. It's not a, it's not a perfect system. Uh, it takes a while to get used to like breathing through your mouth like that. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> but I will say it's, it's, it's way more comfortable than the face covering huh. version, yeah. especially for those of us who are bearded. Right. Um, it's kind of an obscure product, uh, you know, uh, I don't think they make a lot of them. Uh, it's called a Respo Raider. Respo Raider. Uh, the way it's spelled, <laughs> like a, with a big O in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> um, they do they do have proprietary uh, filters, right. unfortunately. Mm, yeah. uh, but there are some guys on Thingiverse, so you can get a 3D printed adapter for 3M filters. Nice. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I like it, man. It's really hard to find them right now after COVID right. hit. Uh, I guess people pot up. People bought them up uh, in a weird way for COVID, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I still, you know, I try. I put a link to it on all my videos because I'm like, look, it's on Amazon. You just gotta wait till it's in stock. All right. Uh, it's a useful item. I, I like it. I, I do like it. But yeah, it is different. It takes some getting used to. Was it your? Uh, you said your? Was it your in-laws that got it for you? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. I think yeah. so. I'm having a hard time remembering, but. I asked for it. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I was gonna I say because like <laughs> if that showed up in my like on my gift for a present, I'd be like, I guess thanks. Like it, just it's not something you. I, I would say it's the fact that you asked for it that made sense, right? You, like you saw it, you did your research, and then you wanted this thing. It's like oh, yeah. if someone you know when I'm, I'm so used to wearing a certain respirator, if someone tried to get me something different, I'd be like, okay, I guess I'll try it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, uh, it seems great. like a uh, like a late night infomercial buy. It's definitely some scuba uh, in influence, you know. I tell you what, man, it works great. I mean, it looks stupid, but it works. It works it's, really it's good. It's kind of genius, though. You put that in your videos, people are like, "Wait, what? What is going on?" Dude, I didn't mean for it, but gosh, dude, I mean, like every damn video, people ask about that respirator wow. specifically. Dustin, we so, gotta get you like a. You get one, man. Maybe like a tuba with a filter in it, and just. Get like something to get more people asking hurt, about hurt, stuff. Hurt. <laughs> we joked before about actually making yeah, making mistakes on purpose in videos just to have, oh, more, God. To have more comments. People like, more interaction. Yeah, right. YouTube oh, okay. interaction. <laughs> oh, you dude, I would love backwards. to do that. That would be actually really fun. That would be a good April Fool's video yeah, idea. Yeah. I'm just going to make a knife and make all the wrong choices. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we 100% thought about that. How, let's do a just a complete like wrong episode and see what happens. That's a good idea. And then, you know, just have like crooked, warped knife, gluing on handle scales that haven't been flattened. You know, you, you heat treated it and then ground it 
so that it turned blue while you're <laughs> yeah, on the edge <laughs> while you're grinding. Oh, that'd be great. That'd make me so happy. Just just sand it off so you can't see it. <laughs> just, the comment just, section would yeah, be yep. lit. It would blow As the up. young kids are saying. You probably have <laughs> hundred thousand views overnight. That, you know? Oh my god. That'd be the same we could on that same channel we could do the uh we thought of doing unfinished products or projects. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, like, we do half of it normal. Like, hey, we're going to do this, and we explain it, and then 10 minutes in, Dustin just walks away, and then 30 minutes is in the background, and then it just ends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's another unfinished project. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man, I mean, people would probably eat that up. And the cool thing is that, you know, I I feel like a new channel couldn't get away with that, but a channel that's been slightly established. Yeah. Yeah. could do it and then your subscribers and followers and supporters would be like the anti-troll team in the comment yeah. section <laughs> you know it'd be really fun to watch because you know they'd be like one guy would be like this guy's an idiot and he's like no he's not he knows what he's doing and <laughs> be awesome. you're an idiot because you don't, don't get, you it, get you it you know it's a joke yeah i may uh, i may selfishly steal y'all's idea <laughs> hey man it's it's uh it's open there it's out there for the world now yeah we can it's all do a, a flood April YouTube. April Fool videos. Yeah, we should coordinate April Fool's videos. I just, I we should we should the, coordinate an April Fool's knife building video submittal. That's a all on the same day idea. with like simple little life outdoors fifty five yes. and the uh, houseworks and like everyone makes a video of just making a really crappy knife. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and, and, awesome. then, and then you send it to us for Dustin to finish, and he just sits it down, and it's thirty <laughs> minutes of a box just sitting there, and then it, then it ends. And then you can like fake uh, you can like fake performance tests and be like this is the best knife I've ever made. <laughs> I'll like cut uh, you know pieces of grass. And stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. It's so sharp. Cut my whole lawn with this knife. Cut a piece of styrofoam. Oh, <laughs> and we'll all be wearing the Respo Raiders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like in the movies when they heat up the knife to cauterize the root wound and then. You're like, well, that knife's ruined. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I always love the memes. It's like, as a knife maker, I'm thinking this. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, too bad for that. Yeah. Rambo not just ruined hurt. his temper. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's definitely not going to be able to stab anybody with that knife now. Yeah. Can't You'll live, in, uh, but paper. your knife is... Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. It's a good idea. Yeah. All right, well, uh, I, so we like to ask our guests about their uh, disaster stories, and I let you know this uh, so you could kind of be prepared. But uh, do you have a disaster story for us, James, something where you may have started something or created something or made something that just failed on you and you had to start over, and it is what it is. And I like I like the idea that we all have these no, things. No, I, so. I don't make any mistakes. No, of course <laughs> not. And that's it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> the more you know. No, yeah, I, I make uh, – I make plenty of mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes. And uh, I try to actually show most of them in the videos that I produce. Because yeah. uh, there's they're numerous, and I, I try not to edit them out. Yeah, we do the uh, same thing. It's great. People love yeah, it. Yeah, so mistakes are part of the learning process. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think people who are starting a craft, knife making, they are afraid to make <laughs> their first or second knife because they yeah. want to do it perfect. And it's yeah. like, man, you just got to make a couple. But uh, yeah. you know, when it comes to my biggest recent failures I would say is probably the uh, there there's a video I made recently on making a or restoring a 1937 Atlas lathe yeah and uh, it's a really old piece of equipment really cool piece of equipment 
And uh, it's kind of an obscure mistake, so I'll, I'll try to explain it so that it makes sense. Uh, there's c components on the machine that are made out of a material called Zamac, which I didn't know what it was. Uh, it stand, it's actually, actually an acronym. Mm. It stands for Zinc, uh, Magnesium, Aluminum, and Comfer, which is the German word for copper. So they, what they did is they mix all these things together and they'd pour them into castings uh, for components. And the Atlas la uh, lathes that were made in like the 30s, 40s uh, by Craftsman, Craftsman Atlas, they were sold by Sears and Roebuck. Okay. They would make a lot of the gears and a lot of the cages and components out of Zamac. So uh -huh. when I was taking apart this lathe, uh, there is a cage uh, that holds the gears that allow you to slide... Uh, you know, I guess the cross slide to the right and to the left right. on the lead screw. Yep. And this cage was made out of Zamac and it was broke. So the first thing I did, uh, mistake number one, is I tried to braze it with oh. aluminum brazing rod. And I didn't realize, I mean, like an idiot, I probably should have looked it up. I didn't realize that the melting point of Zamac is way less than 700 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, no shit. So I just melted this thing. So, <laughs> um, so that was mistake number one. And I have it in the video. It's kind of like an, an oh crap moment. Um, so now I got this melted piece. So I, I, I try my best. I get all the measurements off of it. I draw it up in CAD, and I'm going to make it out of aluminum, uh, billet aluminum. Which you know I could buy another piece. By the way, they make these for like uh, 120 bucks. I mean, it's pretty expensive. They make yeah. this piece for 120 bucks, cast it out of billet. I mean, a uh, machine out of billet. Right. So anyway, I start machining this thing, and I lay my template down onto it uh, that I printed out. And I get it all machined. I must be like five hours into this piece. Oh, jeez. And then I realized that uh, it's a, the, the template, I glued it on upside down. Oh, no. I should have glued it on with the, <laughs> the ink of the template. should have glued it the other way. Oh, and this is the only like four-inch piece of aluminum that I have. Uh, so that was a disaster. So what I ended up doing is, uh, so, and that's kind of learning here, is most disasters in the shop you can think of a creative way to fix your problem. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, most of them. Like, for instance, if yeah. you're grinding on a knife post heat treat and you get it too hot and you change some coloring, you know, and you ruin your temper, you could always reheat treat that knife. Yep. You know, most of the time. You know, yep. So there, there are things that you can do to recover. So in this case, um, I was able to recover. I, I ended up cutting it in half, uh, bringing the pieces the other. Uh, I ended up using some knife making techniques, nice. which were uh, I was learning from Kyle Royer at the time, watching his videos. Uh, he put together a lot of his takedown knives with uh, hardened dowel pins. Oh, right. So he'll drill holes between pieces of his handle, and he'll actually have a hardened dowel pin. So I ended up cutting this piece in half and putting it back together in an orientation that it would actually work in a machine. And to reattach the two pieces of aluminum to each other, I used, uh, you know, hardened dowel pins, locator pins, along with JB Weld to get it to work. So uh, it's on the lathe right now, and it's working, <laughs> and it's perfectly fine. Uh, oh, man. But, there, you know, it was a little bit of a journey. And, you know, I actually thought, funny, little side note, I thought that video was going to be slightly more successful than it was because right. it was such a long process. But it's probably because I talked the whole time. I shouldn't have talked the whole time. But, uh, long story short, like that part is, uh, is, is all in that video, and it's kind of funny. Uh, if you know the backstory, I guess. Oh man, that's awesome! So everybody, go out and check out that video. That no, it's just painful. Lead. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't have to watch the whole damn thing. It's thirty minutes long. Just go skip to that part. <laughs> well, I'll only, I'll only watch like seventeen minutes, and then when there's that commercial break, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Speak, oh, yeah. Speaking of trolls on YouTube, I tell you what, the machinists out there are brutal. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. Man. 
the old mach- the old crotchety machine has cracked me up. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're using that Chinese piece of crap lathe, and no no wonder why your tolerances are off. And it's like, dude, I mean, I don't have like a four thousand dollar you know piece of equipment <laughs> right. here to use, <laughs> and I don't have ten feet of wall space to put a big lathe in here. You know, that's yeah, something that would the guy's got like a two ton bridge port in his garage, and he's like, you know. <laughs> This is how I do my milling operations. Right, yeah. <laughs> this guy's oh, cracking me up. Yeah, I just yeah. <laughs> gotta love the trolls, man. They get me. It's like I, I try not to be drawn in, but you can't help it sometimes. I, oh, I man, I like it. So <laughs> what I, I don't argue with them. That's the key. You yeah. never – I normally thank them. That's, <laughs> and that, that is the best thing. So they'll come at you uh, for some yeah. random thing. They'll normally come after you. The last one was like, hey, you're, you know, your knife – it's like a how-to 101 video on how to make a knife and the guy's like i just want to point out that this is not a forged product <laughs> like well yeah. yeah no no shit dude yeah right <laughs> thank you now i'm enlightened <laughs> yeah this is a stock removal knife for like your first knife all right uh, but no you answer those guys with like oh you know thanks for pointing that out i didn't say that in the video i'll try to do better next time yeah right. and then almost every single troll will will be like wow this guy actually responded to my comment and then they apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time they apologize. Yeah. yeah. And like, ah, oh, I wasn't trying to be critical, man. I just wanted to point it out for other people. I'm like, thanks, dude. And it's like it's like you hug it out afterwards. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so. uh, yeah. I had a guy recently who was like, you know, talking about my, my draw knife wasn't sharp enough. And, you know, any, any <laughs> hickory wouldn't cut, you know, I wouldn't have to struggle with hickory. I was like. Oh man! Then he hit us. He hit like a, a you know, a, a spot that really bothered me. I was like, like, man, f you, dude! Like my draw knives are sharp as shit. Like don't be like, don't play with me. Don't don't tell me that I'm not using a sharp tool and I don't know how to do it unless you're here in my shop using my tool and my piece of wood. Then you can then you can criticize me. I was like, otherwise, I really wanted to say like, what is? Keep dude, the person shut. who gets the worst trolls, I think, uh, is Alex Outdoors Fifty Five. Yeah, I mean, and he'll post it, but dude, he gets some like comments that are like off the wall bad so funny man that i think it's that because guy. he does so many sharpening videos and yeah, there are a yeah. bunch of internet warriors who think they know how to sharpen them <laughs> alex if you're listening we got that uh that uh build together and if you saw our video we made the uh the pirate cutlass that was a, a collaboration with alex we gave him oh, a, yeah. a machete to do a build along it's been funny we've, awesome. we've had a fun relationship over the years he's kind of comment back and forth on videos but uh yeah, it's it's good stuff, man. It's it's a good uh, good community, man. I really appreciate you coming and joining us today and chatting. This has been so much fun. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Thanks for having me yeah. on. Absolutely. Um, quick, uh, yeah, quick recommendations. Yeah. Um, so I have a uh, I have a recommendation, and this is somebody that I think I don't know if everybody knows, but I know and I've known for a while. Uh, Chris Cash, who's from Mount Phillip Metalworks, um, he's a blacksmith here in Maryland, out in Frederick, and he's t- teamed up with. Um, the guys from uh, now they have a YouTube channel called That That Works. Uh, Matt Stagmer and Ilya, uh, which used to be on the uh, what was that was that, that they used to have a YouTube channel. Um, but uh, but yeah, they they have some really awesome videos uh, on YouTube. And then Chris is just a a really cool maker. He's been making these really awesome dragon tail uh, bottle openers. So blacksmith, metalsmith, they do all sorts of knives and swords and really cool content. And uh, the other thing that Chris does, which I really like, is that he's a uh, he's like a buyer and seller of old tools. So he gets old old uh, blacksmithing tools, power hammers, and things, and restores uh, restores them to a point and then resells them. So. Uh, check out uh, Mount Phillip Metalworks 
on Instagram, and I'll put a uh, link in the show notes below. Nice. Um, I'll go next. Uh, speaking of state pride, we just had um, Maryland native Travis Pastrana do a, uh, a Jim Connor uh, racing trick video. If if uh, people listening haven't heard of him, Jim Connor's like it used to be Ken Block, and he'd do these amazing runs through cities and doing tricks yeah, and jumps and, yeah. yeah and drifts and these rally amazing cars. amazing yeah rally cars um so travis pastrana's tried to kind of taken over and he did it in annapolis which is maryland's capital and his like home area um but he's got this uh subaru sti it's like 862 horsepower yeah, it's crazy. super beast and he um, he jumps over canals and then he goes all around annapolis and then he goes out to southern maryland and he gets hits like I forget. I don't know what his speed was but at the end of that video when he jumps and hits that ramp back on these country roads. <laughs> I don't know how far he went, but it felt like he went like 50 yards <laughs> and jumped like a whole hill. He must be yeah. going like 140 miles per hour. Yeah, I think it was more than that. I think he was up in like 160, 170 something because they had that shot of his uh, speedometer <laughs> as it goes up. And you see his face like. <laughs> yeah, and his faces are so good the whole time. He uh, Ken blocks his old videos. He was like super like the whole time stern like he yeah kept it cool <laughs> travis every time he hits something he's like oh shit oh, here we go <laughs> but just the coolest like if you have any interest in any type of car stuff man wa- watch him do these amazing drifting trick video i mean it's they don't need our recommendation it's got like 20 million views or something but man, it's, <laughs> it's an amazing video <laughs> yeah and, and and if you're listening at home for the uh makery drinking um uh, yeah. that's another youtube recommendation and i think we've had about 100 <laughs> during this episode so we're referring yeah craig lockwood from knife talk, knife talk podcast put out a uh, instagram post for all the kind of a, a drinking game for the makery network podcast <laughs> it was like if the art of craftsmanship guys talk about a youtube channel drink if the, <laughs> you know, if a uh, simple little life talks about snow you drink <laughs> there you go that's yeah. perfect <laughs> so we're just helping to get right. everybody enjoying themselves. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, Jay, so my recommendations. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the Respo Raider. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> Affiliate link. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, www. No. Um, I would say uh, I have a okay book recommendation. Uh, right on. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. If you have not read that, mm. it is uh, life-changing for some and uh, affirming for others. It's a really good book. Um, I would say as far as other makers go uh, I've been just kind of watching a ton of Kyle Royer stuff lately yeah that guy is freaking legend yeah he's been doing uh, some cool sword builds and stuff recently man it's just a whole nother level so I've I've been trying to up my uh, takedown hidden tang game Mm -hmm. and uh, so I've been trying to learn off of his stuff pretty hardcore so I I would uh, definitely if you don't if you make knives and don't follow him, I don't know what you're doing. But if if you, if you don't, go follow Kyle Royer. It's like uh, Nick Wheeler. Who? Sure. Yeah, no, yeah. no kidding, right? It, yeah, if Nick Wheeler did not teach you how to hand sand, uh, then, yeah, right. then you're doing something wrong. Generation. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, that yeah, Kyle Royer and the Extreme Ownership. I would definitely uh, read the book, listen to the podcast, and that, cool. that guy, uh, he's on point. Right on. Nice. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. It's been fun to chat yeah. and laugh and drink a little bit and hang out. And hopefully we, uh, we help some other folks following along with the Makery Network uh, drinking game to enjoy their <laughs> evening or day or whenever it is as well. <laughs> um, I wanted to uh, just make a real quick announcement. We actually, during the podcast, uh, went over 99,000 subscribers. 99,000 hey, subscribers. We should, we should celebrate that instead of 100,000. Yeah, can we have a 99,000 99. 99 party? <laughs> yeah, so we have 99,022 subscribers. So hey, we're, uh, congratulations. We're, we're getting awesome. there. Uh, and when we do hit 100,000, if you guys are listening, please join us. We are going to do a live stream. We're going to do a bunch of giveaways. We've got some axes. we got some uh, – we're going to – do some uh, merch we're gonna, and yeah, we're gonna try to get some merch. If we don't have it in person at the time, we're, we're definitely gonna order a bunch and send it out to whoever. We just want to have a big party. I think we'll have a bonfire or something. It, it, it depends, but we want everyone to come along, hang yeah. out. We'll give a bunch of stuff away, have a good time. Dustin's yeah. gonna shave his beard. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Huh? <laughs> red, yeah, right. Uh, my and my beard not, is not nearly as red as yours, but definitely a, a nice. Uh, I got a dark. I think red of beard. all of the strength you would lose. Oh, just instantly. Yeah, it just yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, <laughs> and my we'll, wife wouldn't like it either. And why am I growing a beard if my wife doesn't like it? <laughs> for sure, we'll trim it on camera, make it yeah, nice. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, James, uh, one last time, what are your 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 Insta and your YouTube? Oh, it's all it, it's red beard ops on uh, YouTube and Instagram. So if you want to find me, that's uh, that's the place. Easy nice. peasy. Right on. Awesome. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening. This has been awesome. Uh, we really appreciate you for joining us, James. And um, if you guys want to listen to some awesome podcasts, definitely please go check out all the other uh, podcasts and makers that are on the Makery Network. Uh, you guys can all find us on uh, YouTube, The Art of Craftsmanship. You can find us on Instagram at The Art of Craftsmanship. And, uh, and you can support us on Patreon and go over and support James on Patreon. And uh, yeah. you know, if you feel like you got something out of it, then this is, that's what that's for. If, you've, if you want to support somebody, we're, we're willing to uh, take that support and put it right back into the content we're creating for you guys. So thanks, everybody, for listening. James, thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Devin, it's always a pleasure. Hey. And uh, yeah. we will talk, we'll talk to everybody next time. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.